0: You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg. The Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash So we have Chris O'Brien on location, and he has been making lecture appearances in parts of California. Can you tell us what happened?
2: Well, it's uh, really run smooth. I've, uh, gosh, I've had a great time out here. I I spoke Sunday in San Jose uh, for the San Jose uh, chapter for MUFON. It went really good. I went a little over my time, but um, I got some really good feedback. I did. Move on, L.A., and then move on Orange County. And uh, much to my surprise, I had a three-time uh, show pilot uh, in the audience who, I guess, had been told about my talk and was convinced by mutual, by mutual friend to come and <laughs> and listen to my presentation. And uh, well, I was quite I was quite honored for him to uh, congratulate me at the end of the talk and say uh, he really appreciated my objectivity and my my presentation. So it's really gone smooth. Uh, made some new friends and. You know, became uh, reacquainted with some old friends. Uh, it's my third or fourth trip out here over the years, and uh, it went really good. I was talking about the connections between UFOs, abductions, crop circles, religious miracles, cattle mutilations, and whether there's a real true interrelatedness you know, between uh, these phenomena. And and then talked about uh, the need for hard data monitoring of hotspot areas, kind of define what a portal area or hotspot area is, and talked about this and we saw a camera project and, and generally uh, cracked a bunch of jokes and uh, you know kept everybody uh, <laughs> amused. And I started out my talks by saying my job is to piss off at least 25% of you and uh, we'll have a show of hands at the end if I've succeeded.
1: <laughs> well, that's what we do on the PowerCast, by the way. Our job is yeah. to do at least 25%. In some cases, we do 50 or 60%
2: back in the old days i think it may have been a little higher
1: gene actually it was 98.7 percent it's kind of like you know those those detergents that were 97 or 98.7 percent clean well we were 98.7 percent the pisser offer or something like that you know seriously speaking about mufon you know they've had a change at the top you heard about that right no, uh, I did not. Okay, well, of course, Clifford Cliff has been the international director for a couple of years. Right. He was a guest on the Powercast. We enjoyed having him. He's a gentleman. I mean, we don't always agree with MUFON and their stuff, but we have a lot of dedicated people there who are really concerned about figuring out UFOs. Well, according to this press release we got from MUFON, that Cliff is resigning as of February one, two thousand twelve due to personal commitments and family health issues. And I hope everything is right for him at home and things will get better. But he's stepping down, and he's going to be replaced by someone named David McDonald, who's currently a member of the MUFON Board of Directors. Wow. Dr. Pesson. Yeah. And we're going to invite David to join us. Let's get a take on his attitude. You understand, of course, as we've mentioned on the Paracast in recent weeks, MUFON has reported, I guess, a record number of UFO sightings, for all of 2011 and a really huge start for 2012. This is going to be some kind of year for UFO cases if that trend continues. Yeah, I'll say. And I don't think it's going to necessarily lead to disclosure. That's another prediction I'll make. I like to make predictions because they are always wrong. I can guarantee you that any prediction I make on this show or on the other show, the Tech Night Out Live, stands a 98.7% chance or even a 99.9% chance to get 999 in there of being wrong. This way, I don't have to worry about it. Hey, I'm wrong. It doesn't matter. I tend to think that after all these years, you still cannot predict UFO cycles, that cases, sightings will increase and decrease. Sometimes I think it's the publicity aspect. You know, when you read a sighting, in the newspapers, hear your TV talking heads with a report about UFOs. Guess what happens? You go outside and you look. And so after a while, people get bored, they stop looking. And so the number of cases decreases. So it's really hard to know whether these so-called flaps or influxes or flurries of UFO sightings are publicity flaps or the real thing. What's your take, Chris? Well, I have
2: noticed some interesting correlations between waves of UFO sightings. And when we Come home from uh, having expeditions overseas with our military. I've noticed that uh, after the Korean War, uh, after uh, the Vietnam War, obviously after World War II, um, that two-year period following that, you tend to see a increase in UFO sightings after the Gulf War, uh, the initial you know Desert Storm um, excursion overseas. Uh, so, if if there is any patterning uh, to this. That would be the one pattern that I I would point to, and I think more uh, work needs to be done trying to uh, get to the bottom of how these these fighting waves ebb and flow uh, through time.
1: It's interesting to point that out, because what happened in 2011? We pulled out of Iraq. We started once again to prepare to scale down our participation in the Afghanistan war. So is there a connection?
2: Well, the, we're about at that uh, at that time period where we could see, you know, a good two-, three-year wave of heightened UFO activity. This would be uh, my prediction. Um, I don't normally use the P word, but if I were to predict a wave, uh, this would be the time period here in the next couple of years. Of course, if we survive the end of the Mayan calendar and the world ending, uh, <laughs> I say that with tongue firmly planted in cheek, of course. You always have to put and, these uh, terms
1: and conditions on it, Chris.
2: Well, as I've said many times on the show here, uh, there are 17 Mayan calendars and none of them end. But yeah, I think you point out a, uh, an interesting thing, that we are scaling down our involvement uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, we've officially you know, withdrawn majority, if not all, of our troops out of Iraq. So within this year to two-year period, if my insight into patterning of UFO events uh, and flops uh, is correct, then we should see a heightened increase in sighting reports.
1: We're going to have to just watch. And I assure you, as we hear about important cases, we'll mention them. We're going to be bringing on lots of people in the UFO field to discuss those things. Lots of guests being booked. I'll let you know who they are as we get fine schedules. But today, we've got the man himself, the irrepressible Jim Mosley, He's editor of Saucer Smear. He's author of that fascinating book about the UFO culture or subculture called Shockingly Close to the Truth. And this is going to be an interesting episode in a lot of ways. First of all, we have an immense number of questions from you listeners from our forums at forum.thepowercast.com. I can't promise we'll get to all the questions, but we'll do our best. I'll be asking the questions because Chris is on remote site. He doesn't have Internet access. He has just the cell phone. And that's the best you can do, you know. This is not a state-of-the-art place that you're in.
2: (laughs) No. Unfortunately, I I am in a high-tech video studio, and they have very low bandwidth and only one landline that's being used by the receptionist. So I'm kind of stuck in the mud here a little
1: bit. And the receptionist said, the Paracast? You're going to go on that show? Oh, no, no way. You can't use this phone. No, she didn't say that.
2: (laughs) No, I didn't even ask because this is a busy office, and I can't tie up the only phone, uh, you know with
1: a business number on it. Right, even though we're more important than that business, you know, we understand. Okay, Jim Mosley had a couple of interesting articles in Saucer Smear that we're going to get to in detail, and it's going to result in yet another show later on we'll mention. He's talking about something called the Roswell Dream Team. We mentioned this on last week's episode, where you have Tom Carey, Don Schmidt, Kevin Randall, and Tony Bregaglia joining together to look at the Roswell evidence and try to find new angles. At the same time, of course, we have a new book from Kevin Randall, and this book is one where he is basically talking about his history in the UFO field called Reflections of a UFO Investigator. It's from our friends over at Anomalous Books, just out. And we'll be talking about the book this time, and then in the very near future... Kevin Randall's going to be on with his take. But when you hear what Jim has to say over the next couple of three hours, you're going to hope that Kevin's going to be on real soon, and that's going to happen. Jim Mosley's coming up, the irrepressible Jim Mosley himself, editor of Saucer Smear. You're on with Gene and Chris. You're in... As you know, the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service, such as Steve Jobs, the best-selling authorized biography from Walter Isaacson. For that free audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast.
3: Hey, everybody, Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now, look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge, and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery. so you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, and tell them Jason Lewis sent you
6: Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent? Contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S. unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes Toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid zeolite comes with a money back guarantee, but is only available at restoreyourhealthnow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite by calling 800 880 9976. That's 800 880 9976. Or go to restoreyourhealthnow.com. That's restoreyourhealthnow.com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about The Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at
1: iTunes he's here the one the only jim mosley the editor of saucer smear which is one of the longest existing ufo publications dating back from what 1954 when it was called nexus is that right jim
7: yes i must modestly tell you i have a written proof which i could send you again a man in england that had a saucer magazine that might have been older than mine, but he quit. And so, according to him, which I printed, uh, mine is the oldest in the world, yes.
1: Well, just think about that. Anyone who says they've got the (laughs) oldest publication or the oldest organization, you say, what about me?
7: I don't get that.
1: That's okay. That's okay. What about me? Which is, of course, if they say they're the oldest, you say, well, I'm the oldest. How dare you say that? Now do you Uh, understand? Right. Okay. okay. I'm trying to compliment you, Jim. It's very hard to compliment you. Yeah, well,
7: you. Uh, you're, you're doing a very good job, except that I'm not one of the oldest, as I say, but I, I suppose I'm one of them, but I am also the one, so we've done enough on that.
1: Now, you were telling me in our private conversation, which I'll reveal on the air now, that you don't really read a lot of books from UFO authors. You read some of them. You certainly read the one you wrote shockingly close well, to the a, truth a, but a, you a, didn't I read the one that you allegedly authored gray barker's publishing company years ago well
7: which one was that uh, the right field story
1: yes or the wrong field story depending on yeah who it well, well
7: i don't remember if i read that one or not but uh, uh, you will be astounded to hear i do have one copy left of, of my own saucer book shockingly close to the truth but i have never read it obviously i read it chapter by chapter and uh, section by section at the time that he, uh, Carl Flock and I were working on it together by phone and letter and so forth. So in that sense, I've read it, but I have never sat down and read the finished product.
1: Well, you know something? I never did that with my books. I've written a lot of books on technology and yeah, I read I them through very carefully during the editorial process and the writing process. But once the book is out, I never read them again.
7: Well, it's like these movie stars. Not that we're movie stars, but some of them... Say, we're not?
1: Wait a minute. We're not stars?
7: Uh, well, you're you're a radio slash TV question mark star, but I'm uh, just a humble uh, whatever, truth speaker. But,
1: uh, a I lot definitely, of, uh, Jim, movie- you're a humble whatever. I agree.
7: A lot of the movie people, but not all of them, are so, I don't know, ashamed or embarrassed or nervous about their performance in a movie that's already on the screen and might even have received awards and so forth. They just won't look at it. They don't want to see themselves.
1: No, that's very it, normal. That's very normal.
7: I don't think so. but It uh, is
1: normal. But I think performers sometimes can't even watch themselves. Of course, they're forced to. You know, if you're evaluating your performance, you're trying to see what you're doing, whether you could do better. And, of course, you have a lot of actor-director types like a Clint Eastwood or a George Clooney where they've got to see their own performance, have to judge their own performance dispassionately in relationship to the entire project.
7: Well, yes, there are people like that, too. And I can't mean the ones that feel differently, but there are some that haven't had to do that, and so they don't do it. They never... They won't go to the premiere, and they won't look on it later uh, on TV or anything. They have some hang-up, and I have no idea what that is.
1: Think of it this way, though. One thing they do do, though, is they certainly cash the check.
7: Oh, they do indeed. (laughs) I cash all my checks from Saucer Smear.
1: All three of them?
7: Well, no, there's quite a few, but uh, of course we can't divulge the details, but they're small sums, but when you add them all up, they're a slightly larger
1: sum. You know, it's interesting here. We were talking about the Mutual UFO Network, and I guess you heard because I told you that there's a new international director now. But you told the other, me that just a little while ago, yeah. Right, but the other issue, which I guess is more important in the scheme of things, is that MUFON is reporting a higher number of UFO cases for 2011 and the first part of 2012. Have you heard that? That is correct. Yes. Have you observed this in your experience well, as Senator I, 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 Smear? I've
7: observed it uh, by reading the Mufon Journal,
1: but all I know
7: uh, offhand is that none of them are outstanding, or if there are any, they haven't been uh, brought to my attention, or Mufon hasn't made a big deal out of them. And uh, at my stage, uh, if it's just very much like uh, former cases, and even if it's strange and interesting, I mean, I, I, I just don't, really care anymore because it's the same old thing and the question is what is it, not how many of them are there. Is it?
1: The next light in the sky is as good as the last one unless it offers yeah. some new kind of detail.
7: And, and, and then the other thing is too and this is more important in the saucer field that most, than most people realize there are all kinds of people, pilots or anybody else who scoff even now today at the whole saucer thing because of blah blah and blah. They haven't taken an interest. They don't care. And nobody they knew uh, has seen anything. I, I talked to a, a retired colonel uh, the other day who's a, a relative of mine, a half-nephew, actually, but that's a long story. And, we and always have is, to be
1: careful about those half-nephews.
7: Yes, well, he's the grandson of my half-brother, okay? And he is a retired colonel, but I am not. Anyway, he, he didn't. we had dinner, and uh, I barely know him. And he didn't even want to be polite and discuss stuff with it at all. He'd never seen one and never heard of anyone that did and so forth. Well, there's been so many people like that in the past, and then it's like religion. They see something themselves, even if it isn't a great case, and their whole attitude changes because it's an ego thing. Well, I saw it, and I trust myself. Of course, they can be totally wrong, but it changes their whole attitude. I think that's very interesting.
1: Well, you've never seen a UFO, have you?
7: Oh, you shouldn't have said that. Yes, I've seen several. Okay. I've had a total of about 12, what I would call, paranormal experiences. And by that, I include UFOs, which you can argue about. But anyway, you put UFOs and other weird events, uh, roughly a dozen, and uh, I believe all of them. Uh, of course, I can be wrong, I can remember wrong, or I could have been deceived, or this or that, but I tend to believe all of them because they happened to me. And I was talking to somebody about this just a couple of days ago. Uh, uh, oh, Jerry Clark. He, he had one weird experience, and he had trouble believing it, even though he believed weird experiences by other people. I, I'm the opposite. If somebody I know and trust, especially people that know me and know I have a weird sense of humor and, and uh, so forth. If somebody told me with a straight face of some para- paranormal thing that had happened to them, and even if it's somebody I should believe, I would be very reluctant to believe them. But I do believe my own cases.
1: So if I told you I saw a UFO, you'd say, yes, yeah, Steinberg, sure, tell me another one.
7: Uh, well, I knew you were going to say that because I'm psychic. Yes, I... I to know you and I respect you in many ways, and we're friends in many ways. But I would never know for sure whether you were putting me on just because you know me that well, and you might just feel that that's what you wanted to do.
1: And also, I know that over the years, you've been kind of a put on person, you've
7: put well, on yeah, people I've, for different reasons,
1: my, and we'll get into that in a moment. But this uh, is one of the reasons why, if I said I saw a UFO. You know, you wouldn't believe it. In fact, I don't think I'd believe it after all these years. We have Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear. You're on with Gene and Chris, because you're in...
8: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade.
1: We are the GCN Radio Network. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. The most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit MoseyPro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y-Pro.com
9: take charge of your health get all natural innovative health products from the new AffinityHealthProducts.com. from weight loss to cold and flu remedies to better joint function discover natural products you can trust online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. like lose and snooze fact is 90 percent of all diets fail why not try a completely new way of dieting with lose and snooze you can achieve weight loss while you sleep Guaranteed. Reduce caloric intake, get a deep restorative sleep, build lean muscle mass, and keep your metabolic rate up to burn fat throughout the night and day with all-natural Lose and Snooze from AffinityHealthProducts.com. Include the one-day diet for a complete weight loss package. Order Lose and Snooze and the one-day diet and other all-natural products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com, spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y, HealthProducts.com. Or call 877-888-7126. That's 877-888-7126.
4: Long-range patrol ration entrees. If you know survival, you know LRPs are the undisputed king of military rations. Hands down the best for your bug-out bag or survival pack. To go farther, faster, and carry more food, there's nothing better than a Brick Pack LRP cold-weather ration entree. Nothing Now, the Freeze-Dry Guy is offering a limited-time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long-term storage. But they're going fast at Freezedryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long-range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze-dried entrees. Ask about multi-case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today that's 866-404-3663 or freeze dry guy.com your source for survival food in an uncertain world
10: what if pain could be reduced ailments could be alleviated physical and mental stress could be eased and blood circulation increased all by simply lying down introducing the original BioMat. The Biomat is an FDA-registered medical device that combines deep-penetrating infrared space-age technology and revitalizing negative ions with the incredible healing power of amethyst crystals. A biomat can boost your immune system, relieve pain and stiffness, reduce stress and fatigue, and assist in detoxifying your body. Join the thousands of people reporting relief from chronic pain, fibromyalgia, arthritis, sports injuries, insomnia, and much more. Each biomat comes with a lifetime trade in and three year warranty. Learn more at bio mats.com spelled B I O M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M M m-a-t-s dot com or call 360-944-8692 that's 360-944-8692 visit bio-mats.com today and enhance your life with a biomat
11: hello this is rosemary ellen
12: guiley and you're listening to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio
1: With Gene and Chris, are in the PowerCast. Jim Mosley joins us. We love having him on because he just tells lots of great stories, has lots of fascinating opinions. And we've covered a few of his thoughts about UFOs. The fact that he has seen UFOs makes him more, as they say, accepting of the possibilities. We have a bunch of questions about his beliefs later on from our listeners at forum.thepowercast.com. But I want to discuss something here, which we mentioned before we had you on, Uh And that is this new Roswell Dream Team you've mentioned in Saucer Smear. Could you explain what this is all about?
7: Well, no, because it doesn't make much sense.
1: Do your best.
7: Oh, I will indeed. Kevin Randall, who I guess de facto is the number one Roswell investigator, because at least on the net, he spends about 90% of his time rehashing the endless details endlessly. So, I mean, we can give him that. Uh, title as uh, number one uh, of this group and he currently works closely with John Schmidt which in itself is interesting because there was a long period of time when he and John Schmidt did not work together at all they had a serious falling out for a number of years but that's a long story. So. You know what why don't
1: you give us the Reader's Digest version and we know well, that the personality conflicts in the UFO field are legion they occur very often but why did these two have this falling out?
7: Well, I'm, there was a lot more to it than that, but the funny part, and the part that I remember best, is Don Well, I'll start by saying I met him once at the Roswell Museum, and nobody else was around, and so I, I had a nice talk with him for a half an hour or so. The point is, he hung around the Roswell Museum, and I don't know how much he was there. I think he. Is. some people uh, that were supposedly working there, had some kind of a uniform, uh, maybe some kind of coveralls like a doctor would have. All well, I remember is he seemed to be a member of that team because uh, he was there a lot. He was However, a member of the
1: coverall team.
7: Yes. Or he was a the janitor.
1: Cover-up. Is that what it is? He was a janitor? The cover-up team. Now he's going to hate me, by the way. Go ahead
7: what started this off and i I'm telling you there were other aspects that I don't really remember but the funny part was somehow it came out that during that whole period Don Schmidt was a rural postal carrier in a small town and I always forget the state way back east long way from New Mexico so one would wonder how does he keep these two jobs I mean that's an everyday job if you're a letter carrier and I still don't know how he explained that and uh, if he ever did, but that seemed to uh, be a detriment to his veracity or something, and uh, that was one of the reasons. And, uh, in other words, they had known each other, Randall and Schmidt, for years, and as I read somewhere, I guess it's in Randall's new book that I just finished reading, he had no reason to ask Schmidt what his real job was or what else he does, so that's how come he didn't know this, although they had been partners for years.
1: That's I mean, a very that's kind strange of kind of attitude. You're supposed to be curious. You're wondering about the greatest mystery of our time. Is the Roswell crash part of the UFO mystery or something else? You ought to be curious about little things like that. I mean, when people ask me what my day job is, I said, this is it, folks. When you ask Jim Mosley what his day job is, well...
7: Eating, or going to the bathroom, and doing saucer smear. But mostly it's doing okay. saucer
1: smear. We don't want to get to the <laughs> less... <laughs> Lesser (laughs) pursuits there. Okay, so after all these years, he didn't even inquire as to this guy's yeah, they, proper employment. Uh,
7: moving on to answer the question about the, de- <laughs> the dream team. I, I don't mean to say demon team, but I almost did. Then uh, a third guy came on who I don't remember the name of, but a fourth guy also came on whose name is Tony Bregalia. You've heard of him, right? Bregalia? We have.
1: He tends to be skeptical yeah. in strange ways. I mean, he doesn't believe that the Saqqara, New Mexico UFO. Well, that's right. He's certainly upset a lot of people who investigate that case, like our friend Ray Stanford.
7: Well, exactly. That is, to me, the worst of his, his opinions, because he insists, absolutely insists, that it was a prank. By college students, and, and that would, uh, for many long-winded reasons, that would be extremely difficult. And the one thing he hasn't even dealt with—it was part of a flap—which I didn't know myself until I looked into it a little bit more. There were three or four other very similar cases in that general part of the state within a couple of days of, of that one. I mean, so you can forget about college students. And, and it wouldn't matter uh, if he said it's a tentative conclusion, but he swears by it. Some things I agree with him on and some things I don't. He's the one that has made a big deal out of the mystery metal that was supposedly part of the stuff that they found at the debris field in Roswell.
1: Now, that's the one where Jesse Marcel Jr. said his father had handed it to him. And this is a story yeah, and, he's been telling to this very be, day. It
7: couldn't be bent, and it couldn't be burned, and it couldn't be destroyed or created. A lot of things. That, to me, is too technical for me to have a, a final opinion on. Uh, it is said that that, that we did have metal like that at that time and but it the big been thing
1: here the big thing here is that all these people are getting together to do what i mean how many times do we have to look well, over the roswell that, that story again the, before we say okay we've got as much information as we can and then i'm going to ask you a connecting story in a moment which comes out of reading kevin randall's new book but let's get back yeah, to the dream right. team but
7: let me just answer that you are absolutely right. These are four people. They all are somewhat familiar with all this intricately long and complex uh, information about Roswell, and they all have somewhat different opinions. And it's happened so long ago that uh, they're actually interviewing children and grandchildren of of the original witnesses and the question arises what can they possibly learn that they don't already know it it makes no sense and they're never going to if they're all honest about it be able to all sign off on the same statements because they have different opinions
1: well is it also a case here of passing the story from father to son to daughter to grandson to great grandson but you know, yeah, but we you, understand the Hopi Indians get away with well, transforming yeah. oral traditions, as Chris has told us. But in the real in the I normal are, world, it doesn't are work on that the way.
7: Same wavelength. A lot of times, yes. With Indians, we forgive them because they have no written language, and and they're Indians, and we have to respect them. And there are many factors there. But with these guys, I don't understand it. No.
1: Okay. So in any case, what do they think they're doing? Okay. So Jim. How are these various people going to change anything we know about Roswell? What are they going to do that's different? I don't know.
7: I don't know. It makes no sense that they're even going to try. That's the point. I have no idea.
1: Okay. Well, there you go. You know, when are we to stop beating
2: that dead horse?
7: <laughs> is, is that Chris? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, here. Well... He, he he comes on like a gravel voice of some other dimension. Uh, he is uh, in another gonna, dimension uh,
1: right now. We didn't want to mention that. He's in the seventeenth dimension in L.A. He
7: he's uh, he's also on a bad phone. You're right about that. <laughs>
2: well, I I still think that Roswell is just you know it, it, it's it's a red herring. It's like every few years somebody comes along and tries to keep our focus on the dead horse. We need to be looking forward. We need to be doing hard data monitoring in hotspot areas. All this Roswell stuff, I mean, come on already.
7: Well, uh, let's get on to what I believe to be the next phase here. Uh, Okay, and
1: let me just preface this before uh, we have to break. Jim, Jim,
13: Jim, Uh, we have to break.
1: Hang on. Okay, we are going to be breaking in a couple of moments here, but I want to mention what Jim is going to be talking about. Give you a little preview here. There's a new book out called Reflections of a UFO Investigator from our friends at Anomalous Books. It is kind of an autobiographical-type tome from Kevin Randall. And Jim, having read this book from cover to cover, and understand, when Jim reads a book from cover to cover, especially a UFO book, that's an exception. He doesn't always have the time. But this one, he read from cover to cover because it's not a big book. It's got 270 pages, 70 illustrations. So, you know, it's a fast read. Inasmuch as it was a fast read, Jim read the book and came to some interesting conclusions, which you're going to hear about in a moment with Jim Mosley. And you're also uh, I listening gotta, to I, Jim.
7: I've got to interrupt you. There's something, not right now, but at times uh, there's like an artificial cutoff on, on your Statements having to do uh, with the phone.
1: I but, can't control that's that. Why I,
7: I keep interrupting you because for a moment I don't.
1: More coming with Jim Mosley. You're listening to Gene and Chris because you're in the terror cast. one more time that's store.theparacast.com you can use a major credit card to place your order for the official paracast t-shirt hey neighbors we have one more thing to talk about and that's more merchandise at the official paracast store we have hats we have jackets we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the paracast logo at the official paracast store it's all now available at the official paracast store store.theparacast.com
11: Ready to save while getting prepared? Then you're ready for the winter sale at 21stCenturyGoods.com. Take advantage of the incredible savings on all items at 21stCenturyGoods.com. Portable AM, FM, and shortwave radios from 1995. American Red Cross emergency radios and Cato radios from 28.95. Solar lanterns from 22.95. Solar flashlights, two for 16.95. Hand crank LED hurricane lanterns and flashlights from 8.95. Be sure to check out the flexible solar panel to power your emergency and survival gear. Every order over $75 will receive a solar-powered flashlight absolutely free. So get prepared this winter by visiting 21stCenturyGoods.com. Spell the number 2, the number one, S-T, CenturyGoods.com, 21stCenturyGoods.com, or call 866-999-8422. That's 866-999-8422, 21stCenturyGoods.com. Power up your survival.
13: Did you know that how well your brain works is directly dependent upon how well your gut works? Did you know that an inflamed or compromised digestive system directly contributes to poor focus, depression, irritability, attention deficit, and hyperactivity? By eliminating the inflammation in your intestines and by having good bacteria populations, you may enjoy better brain function. The most important protein your body needs to keep inflammation down is glutathione. The number one food to support a dramatic increase in glutathione production is undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows. Virtually all whey proteins are damaged by heat, filtration, and chemicals, except one. One World Way is the most life-giving whey protein on the market. It is changing the lives of its users in very positive ways. One World Whey may act as one of the most important health foods to support your and your child's optimal brain function. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com.
11: Don't answer it.
13: If fear strikes your heart when the phone rings,
14: knowing it may be another bill collector, it's time for you to call Zero Debt in 90 Days, 800-477-9256. Settlements, bankruptcy, and attorneys are not the answer and may end up costing you up to 10 times more than necessary. Listen, if you're already in debt, does it make sense to get buried in another payment plan? Zero Debt in 90 Days gets you out of debt in 90 days guaranteed without a payment plan and without attorneys or going to court. Get the fastest relief from debt on the planet when you call 800-477-9256. If you have debt with the IRS, credit cards, student loans, or a foreclosure, we can help at Zero Debt in 90 Days, and we are the only organization to provide written guarantees on the results. Go to ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. That's ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. Or call now for free information, 800-477-9256. That's 800-477-9256.
2: Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast.
1: We're back with Jim Mosley, the irrepressible, the one and only Jim Mosley, who, of course, is editor publisher of Saucer Smear. He'll tell you real soon how to get a copy, and how to check out all the wacky things he's done. So let me preface this conversation. We first talked about the Roswell Dream Team several people getting together to find a new angle to what might be as Chris O'Brien says, the dead horse. I'm starting to sound like the announcer for the Lone Ranger, you know, (laughs) doing some kind of (laughs) preview here about the cliffhanger. Okay. So Kevin Randall writes this book, reflections of a UFO investigator for anomalous books just out. And we have copies of the book on the way. So Chris and I are going to read it. Kevin Randall is going to be on the show to talk about it ahead of that. Jim, you read the book from cover to cover, and you reached some fascinating conclusions.
7: Well, I have always been, for years now, a fan of of the Mogul balloon solution as opposed to the interplanetary solution, because for long and complex reasons, it just seems to make a lot more sense. If the listeners don't have some kind of a background on Roswell, they're going to have trouble... Following what I have to say, what I have just discovered, uh, it's not really quite earth-shaking, but it almost is. Uh, There is one of the witnesses, and there are endless witnesses, but one of them is a a woman named Bessie Brazel. Uh, Bessie Brazel was the daughter of Mark Brazel, uh, who was uh, the rancher on whose ranch the Roswell debris fell somewhere between the middle of uh, june 1947 and very early july 47 now this
1: point of order jim it's mac Brazzle. uh mac All right, how do you spell it m-a-c are you sure i have it right here i have a right, wikipedia M-A-C. account which says mac Brazzle who discovered the debris right, I, that sparked here, the Roswell ufo M-A- incident trust me
7: i've got m-a-c-k but never mind So his daughter, um, Bessie, was 14 years old at that time, and she's been interviewed a number of times through the years. I'm not sure if Randall ever met her or not, but she made uh, similar statements through the years. Now, the interesting thing to me is uh, that uh, she describes the the records that they found, and I'm not going to bother with the whole description, but uh, this is the part that uh, is of interest to me in regard to the point that i'm trying to make she says uh... in in regard to the debris quote the flower-like designs on the tape looked like japanese flowers where the petals are not connected dot 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 they were very very light pastel pinks and blues and yellows the tape was about two inches wide now why is that interesting Because, number one, it differs from the interpretation of of Jesse Marcel, Sr., who was another of the early people that saw the debris, uh, because he insists that there were hieroglyphics, and a lot has been made of that, and people have tried to reproduce the hieroglyphics. So was it hieroglyphics, or was it uh, flowers, or both? Well, uh, the uh, man who launched the uh, mogul balloons from I forget how many miles away in in New Mexico in in 1947 he uh, remembers uh, that in in that series of balloons that they sent over there was tape with a flower design on it I mean he has said that I don't know if he's written a book but I've met him and he said it to other people and people that were involved uh, on the project with him some of whom were still alive until recently They all remember that, because it's unusual. And uh, what happened was uh, the contract for this tape was somehow in the hands of a factory in New York City. I don't have the name of the factory, but uh, this part he told me a couple of times, and it's quite interesting, the Lady Garment Workers Union, were the women who were uh, actually the manufacturers of this particular tape, that had this flower design on it. Now, if, if um, what's his name, uh, Moore uh, remembers that uh, quite clearly, and if this woman saw apparently the same type of designs uh, that he remembers, that is a match. Uh, and I can't imagine how they would have known each other or talked to each other because. Uh, because Moore didn't get involved in this until many years later.
1: When you're talking about Moore, this is Bill Moore.
7: No, no, not at all. Uh, it's, it, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, Charles Moore, uh, Charles Moore who, okay. who was the chief project uh, coordinator okay. on the Mogul Balloon project.
1: Okay, now we've uh, clarified
7: that. Bill Moore that. Okay. is involved in a totally different way, but it's an easy mistake. He was the co-author of the first book, on Roswell, that came out about 1980, which was over 30 years after the event.
1: And this is the one uh, he wrote with Charles Burlitz, and yes. Stanton Friedman contributed something, but somehow didn't get his name on the but cover. But
7: didn't, didn't get any credit. No. But uh, Charles uh, Moore, uh, Professor Moore, he was called, uh, he uh, was alive until recently and uh, was a uh, big figure, I guess, in the balloon research field going back as far as 1947, as I say. So he wouldn't remember every detail perfectly, but the pastel flowers, uh, he told me, he told probably hundreds of other people, so telling me is no big deal. But the fact that he remembers those flowers, remember, you're not going to expect to see pastel flowers on on a spaceship or on a a man-made balloon. It's just something uh, that you wouldn't be likely to make up. And so I I think that correlation, I don't remember anybody calling attention to it before, but then again, I never read all of Flock's book, which is about Roswell, in which he believes uh, now that it was a mogul balloon. So that's the story. I I think that pretty well proves that uh, what they found was wreckage of of a mogul balloon.
1: So you think, Chris O'Brien, that ends the story? Oh, it doesn't end it. Well,
2: it doesn't end the story, but I think it's uh, it's uh, as Jim points out, it's quite noteworthy, and uh, I think it does uh, it does make a person who's a true believer in the extraterrestrial nature of that crash uh, it should it should give them pause.
7: Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, there there are a lot of other things, you know. I mean, we could talk. Uh, your show is two hours, and that's not enough for to even scratch the
1: surface of... Well, uh, actually, technically, it's three hours with a news block. Okay, but we, you and I are doing two hours, right? Something like that. Okay. Well, I
7: mean, there are so many peculiarities, and I'll, I'll, this is not as definitive as the one I just said, but this just always bothered me from the beginning. Glenn Dennis was uh, owner or a employee of a funeral parlor in Roswell uh, in 1947, and uh, he, uh, <laughs> he gets into this whole thing in, in uh, long and complex ways, but I'll just mention one of them. He claimed that the Air Force, after this crash occurred, and of course in the older versions of this, there were, there were little men uh, who didn't look human that were found in, in the wreckage. Uh, when we're talking about uh, Brazel's uh, farm, there were no little men, and I believe that all the other stories that include little men are are fictitious. But anyway, he claims that he got a call from the Air Force to prepare—I forget three, four, five—small coffins for for these creatures. Now, can you believe if it was that highly classified, and they chased people away uh, from the site and threatened them and their families, and all of this? Uh, high-powered stuff. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, isn't that kind of a breach of security? You just call the nearest uh, funeral home and say, oh, prepare some uh, uh, small coffins. We've got some small creatures here that we've got to uh, put
1: to rest. Yeah, we just recovered them. These are aliens. We've got to put them away.
7: Yeah, I mean, if anything like this had happened, it would have been handled completely differently and believe me by now we would know for sure because somebody reliable would have a story with something to back it up uh... that uh, could tell us yes there were creatures involved there were four or five people including when dennis that talked about creatures and they've all been discredited by now uh, to the point that even Kevin Randall leaves out all of those stories that include bodies, all of them. Now, all he's got to go on is this stuff that was on the Brazil ranch, and I told you why I think it's the Mogul balloon. If that's all that we've got, then the case is solved, and we can move on to something else.
1: We'll move on to something else. The book, by the way, by Kevin Randall is called Reflections of a UFO Investigator. Kevin Randall will be on... And he's going to respond to what Jim says, and very likely Jim's going to be here to talk with Kevin Randall then. If you have a comment or question about the show, write us, news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. You're listening to Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast.
8: the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here
5: hi ted anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone by calling 760-569-7700 you'll be hearing gcn live.com programs in seconds Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg. With Gene and Chris, we have Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear. Before we go on with the second of three hours of this presentation, and we ask your questions, listeners, I have one of Jim. Can you tell us how to get a copy of Saucer Smear?
7: Oh, yes. I always enjoy that question. Well, I have a post office box. Uh, this is all by mail.
1: This is, by the way, while there's still a post office, to have a box. Yes, exactly.
7: Uh, I, I, knew, I knew something was wrong at the post office when even at uh, Christmas time, the lines were extremely short. And any other time, there's no lines. I kid you not, I am amazed at at how few people are at the post office. But anyhow, Saucer Smear is delivered there by mail, and if you want a sample copy, I could send it to you for nothing. And then if you want to subscribe or non-subscribe, as I call it, but let's say subscribe, if you want to get on the permanent mailing list, then uh, you should send us what we call a love offering of some... Reasonable size. And the address is P.O. Box 1709 T. West, Florida 33041.
1: And you know, when they discontinue the post office completely, Jim will just drive out to your home with a copy.
7: Hand deliver it. I'll drive out and visit each uh, non subscriber and
1: and, uh, hand
7: deliver his copy.
1: Basically, what he's going to do is take a non trip. I'll tell you what, folks, we have. A lot of questions of Jim. Loads of questions. And I'm going to get into some of them here. And I think we can almost fill a full show with this. Normally what we do at forum.thepowercast.com is we mention when a guest is going to be on. This time we booked Jim only hours before he showed up. Despite that, we have a bunch of questions for him because the listeners just love hearing Jim. You've got a fan base out there. I know you'd rather have that fan base write checks for copies of Saucer Smear.
7: I'd like to be able to... Them, not just in the ether but in a, a 3D representation of, of their body,
1: and you don't want these people to give you ether because then you'll be unconscious. <laughs> that is true. Okay, so, so let's what do the
7: quest- what are the questions?
1: Okay, first question from Gog Smacky, who Gog Smacky that's his username. You know, that's like uh, go- he's kind of like doing a take on the word gobsmacked. Okay, know. okay, okay. So here he is. I got a few for Jim. Number one, having stated that you have subscribed to many different explanations of the UFO mystery, is there one you know come down on more than the others?
7: Well, I've had different opinions at different times. I uh, was with the interplanetary belief uh, for quite a long time, and and way back when, I specifically was on the belief that these came from Mars because... uh, it's nearby and uh, has a atmosphere that is vaguely similar to ours and also there were the uh, canals which were still being believed I think as recently as thirty or so years ago and are now known to be an optical illusion. There are no canals. The evidence has changed, in my opinion has changed, but mainly For reasons that would be very difficult to explain in detail, but I, the more I see this and all the weird ways that the saucer mystery behaves, and all the weird uh, overtones and undertones, I really think that this isn't uh, creatures coming in uh, from another planet. In some ways, they're too much like us. In other ways, they seem to be mocking us. Uh, There is some strange link between these creatures and us and it may be another dimension it it may be anything that you like but i don't think we have to uh, count on the idea that uh, creatures like us are coming here in spaceships sort of like ours and you know uh, trying to enlighten us and so on that's simplistic and i don't think it's true and what is the truth i do not
1: know okay that's from gog smacky whose name is really gordon by the way and he's got another question for you. He's got five, by the way. What oh. is the most novel and or ridiculous explanation of the UFO phenomenon that you have come across?
7: Well, off the top of my head, I can't answer that, but I'll, I'll try it this way. If you change it, what of all the explanations for Roswell, uh, what is the most ridiculous one? If, if, if you uh, have it just in regard to Roswell, I can give you an immediate answer. And that's John Keel's. Explanation. John Keogh, bless him, is no longer with us, but he was a theorist uh, that got pretty wild at times and uh, often didn't think the evidence through completely because he just liked to, uh, with a large brush, uh, stroke this thing out and forget the details of, of why the theories might not actually work. But in, in regard to the Roswell crash, he said it was a uh, Fugo balloon. Now, the Fugo balloons uh, were sent by the Japanese during World War II, and they were, I guess, what they might have been made of cloth, paper, I'm not sure. I don't know the details, but the idea was they could, because of the uh, wind currents, they could cross the, the Pacific, and if they sent enough of them, a few of them would reach America, and uh, they were, had uh, explosives on board, and uh, when they crashed, they would explode and cause some damage and actually a uh, very few did get to the west coast and i think one of them at least did kill about four or five people in some forest but mainly it it didn't work well uh keel insisted that this was a Fugo balloon it didn't blow up and and you know it uh, for a whole bunch of reasons it, it was a off the top of my head type of uh, theory and i always found it ludicrous but uh, keel would Get furious at anybody that didn't believe it. So, uh, what are you going to do?
1: No, I remember when he was talking about that.
7: <laughs> yep. Yeah, but, but but two years after the end of the war, you would think that a fugo balloon
2: would uh, would have made it here a lot sooner. Would what? Yeah, I didn't. Uh, one of those balloons, I, it couldn't stay aloft for two years, and a lot well, of uh, what happened, yeah, uh,
7: Excuse me. Two years yeah, after I, the end of the war. <laughs> I I uh, blew that whole presentation. That was the most ludicrous part of it. And I unfortunately left it out. The war ended uh, in August of 1945, and the Roswell thing crashed in late June or early July of 1947. That's roughly two years later. E- even Keel couldn't explain how it stayed aloft for two years. And uh, Well, I I guess, obviously
2: guess he felt it it suspended animation and then released it two years later. Yeah. So, I mean It was done by
1: ultra-terrestrials. That's how it was done. Let's yes, get to the yes. next question here. Now, briefly speaking here, I'm going to ask you before we do this. And Here's the question. It's about the Strafe letter, the hoax yeah. letter to Georgia Damsky. Can you explain in like one or two minutes again what this is about? Then I'll ask the question because some listeners haven't heard the earlier shows.
7: All right. Well, George Adamski was the most famous of the early contactees and wrote uh, three or four books in the 1950s uh, about uh, space people looking very much like us coming from other planets and in some cases landing on earth in other cases mi- mixing with uh, earth people and uh, uh, doing all kinds of things that are kind of unlikely uh and Madansky was very well known at the time he uh, his books especially the first one sold uh, very well and I had I forget if it was before or after that I I met Adarsky myself and I liked him but this was just for fun Grey Barker and I uh, were close friends and one weekend uh, we uh, got the idea somehow fueled by alcohol no doubt to uh, send a hoax letter to George Adarsky now the way this was possible was because uh, uh, Gray Barker had a friend who I don't believe he ever met in person. But this friend, uh, his father was uh, undersecretary of state, which is pretty high up. And the kid had access to uh, stationery from the State Department and other government agencies. I don't know <laughs> how I don't know how he got all these uh, agencies, but there were six or seven different kinds of stationery that we had. So we took the stationery of the. Uh, uh, of, of the State Department, and uh, just made something up. And, and the gist of it was that uh, this uh, fellow is sort of uh, spilling the beans uh, about a secret, and and he's telling uh, George Dansky uh, basically, there are those of us here who uh, take your claims very seriously. And, and I'll tell uh, you
1: what, you know what, you all should take seriously is this announcement. We have Jim Mosley with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. When making important financial
4: decisions, you should always know the facts. That's why Midas Resources is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll-free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas Report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar.
10: Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes.
1: We have Jim Mosley with Gene and Chris, the, the PowerCast. And Jim Mosley's is telling us about the Straith letter, about the State Department stationery that a friend of Gray Barker had gotten. And now you're writing, I guess Gray did the typing and you both kind of dictated yes, uh, it. Yeah, went?
7: that's right. He okay. did the typing. So we, uh, the other letters didn't get so much attention. That we, I think we wrote six or seven letters, uh, each on a different kind of stationery. To different people in the uh, saucer field, and I, I honestly can't remember anymore who they all were. One was uh, uh, Coral Lorenzen, I think, and I honestly can't think of who In they fact, were. that was the one
1: thing? you told me, Jim, when you told me the story the first time. She was with an organization called Aerial Phenomena <laughs> Research Organization, which predates MUFON by a yes. number of years. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, so anyway, you send the letter out. And Adamski's touting this uh, sky. This is proof the government knows I'm telling the truth. And, of course, the authorities get wind of it. The FBI comes to see you and Gray. Well,
7: excuse me. Not only did they get wind of it, because Adamski, like I would have done if, if I were Adamski, he used that in his propaganda from then on. I mean, you know, you can't call me a fake. I have this letter from the State Department. And so he pushed it and uh, publicized it. And that (laughs) kind of, can I say, pissed off the government. And uh, they did send uh, the FBI over to uh, talk to him, which was the wrong thing to do because then he knew it was a fake. Why would they bother to send somebody if it was just some silly hoax? So he he went right on with it, and uh, I guess they just gave up and let him do it.
1: But they also visited you and Gray?
7: (laughs) No, I was not a suspect because uh, Gray and I had such different views. Only people that knew us knew that we conspired to do things uh, like this. But Gray was visited, and uh, what he did was he got so paranoid that he chopped up the typewriter. He was afraid that they'd catch him by the typeface, and and he uh, buried it somehow in some concrete wall that was being constructed somewhere around Clarksburg at that time. So, You know, it,
1: folks, this sounds like the TV okay. show Criminal Minds where they basically focus on serial killers. What Gray Barker was, a serial typewriter destroyer. Exactly.
7: So he never would even tell me where uh, this wall was or uh, the details. But anyway, he got, he got rid of the typewriter.
1: Now, does he have and, a document in there about the secret of the UFO mystery so we can start looking for it? How's that? I was thinking here, maybe, Jim, that Gray Barker, when he buried the typewriter, he also buried a document that proves what the UFO mystery solution really is.
7: Well, that would be very nice. Uh, If I knew where he buried it, I'd dig up the typewriter and that uh, message.
1: Or as they say, can you dig it? We've got another question here, okay? Here uh, we go, Jim. Do you have any particular case or piece of evidence that reaffirms your belief that there is something real and unknown about the ufo phenomenon i guess this would be your favorite or most compelling case since it's well, obviously not roswell
7: well right uh, it would be any i guess of these roughly a dozen things that have happened to me personally i mean i i i could tell you one that's easy to tell briefly back about nineteen fifty three i was in miami and that era the skies were clearer than they are now there was less uh, pollution and so on and one night, I had nothing to do, so I just looked at the sky for a couple of hours and uh something I've never done before or since I was just very bored and on a weird uh, trip there, you might say, you notice that uh the stars appear to be in groups of four or five six of roughly the same brightness i mean it's just an illusion, but that's how they look when you look at the sky so I finally focused on one group, let's say of five. I'm not sure, but let's say five. And I'm looking at it and I uh, just playing a game with myself, I said, you know, uh, one of those lights could be a flying saucer, but if it was in a formation like that with stars, I mean, I wouldn't know the difference. It would look just like a star. And at the very moment that I thought that, one of the stars took off in a straight line, slightly downward, and disappeared behind a building. The end.
1: Let's go to question number five. (laughs) Who do you believe are some real heroes and villains of the phenomena? People who have truthfully tried to investigate the phenomena, not for personal gain, and also some who have been poisoned to the field, either by trading on complete lies or retelling the lies of others. Okay, the heroes, number one. well, Well,
7: Gene, you know, not to avoid it, but you could do this better. I was just looking the other day and i put them in a file that eventually will self destruct but a couple of years this is very next to
1: the typewriter that gray barker destroyed okay
7: <laughs> you 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 made a detailed list of the hall of shame and the hall of Fame
1: oh okay what you're talking about here is for a while we managed a site originally run by Royce Myers called ufo watchdog.com now myers has since taken back that site and we're now engaged in starting yet another one. And we're working with some of the people in our forums. We have a designer. So the answer is, it's not my heroes and villains. It is what Royce Myers created. We'll go for that, okay? All right. All right so yeah. go to the ufowatchdog.com and you'll see the archive of that. Okay. And just a final comment from Gordon. I like Jim, especially for having a real sense of humor while still actively promoting the field as opposed to some who seem to take themselves way too seriously. He's a fan. Wow, that's very nice of him. Okay, we now have messages from JT. I have no idea who JT is. Neither do I. Okay, so that makes all three of us here, because Chris doesn't know either. (laughs) As much as I like Jim's greatest hits, and boy, are they great, I'd like to hear his thoughts on some less obvious subjects. So let's lay a few on you here. What is your estimation of the role of human consciousness towards UFOs? Do you think there's anything to the idea of tulpas and thought forms?
7: What's that last part? Uh, tulpas forms
1: and what else? or thought forms?
7: Well, I'm, I'm not sure how to define those things, but I, I, I could certainly say that there is indeed... A link between the human mind and, and UFOs. In some cases that uh, I can't just think of in detail offhand, but it, it seems absolutely certain that something strange is going on. The easiest uh, type of thing to uh, use as an example is missing time. Quite a number of people that have uh, had especially close sightings of saucers, and, and uh, they tell you their story. And it makes sense, uh, but at the end they say, oh, by the way, I uh, got home uh, an hour later, uh, but uh, uh, I thought it was an hour later, but it was actually three hours later. I, I can't account for the other two hours. Uh, that, that kind of thing is very common. So there's something weird going on there. It, it is, they could all be lying, but it is one of the more common uh, descriptions of a flying saucer sighting.
1: Well, certainly that might be some kind of strange mental process. We have more questions, by the way, and we're getting them from forum.thepowercast.com. We've got a special message board there called The Question Bank, and when we know a guest is going to be on, we pose the questions. We have Jim Mosley, editor, publisher, and chief cook and bottle washer of Saucer Smear. With Gene and Chris, you're in the <laughs>
8: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
15: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack attack, attack. of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
14: That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com. Or call one 5 fake tv Each additional fake TV is only twenty nine ninety five. dollars so get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent.
16: If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com, and now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer bio superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family learn more and order your bio superfood formulas at bioage.com spelled b-i-o-a-g-e.com bioage.com or call 877-288-9116 that's 877-288-9116 bioage the age of advanced organics
17: Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant Powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant Powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today.
10: my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to
1: The Paracast. We have Jim Mosley, editor of Saucers Smear with Gene and Chris on The Paracast. When Jim is on the show, it's a special event always. And we've got more questions from JT. Okay. Are you interested in other areas of Fortean studies besides UFOs, cryptozoology, ghosts, etc., If so, could you share some of your views and thoughts on any of these?
7: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Each thing is a little different. I I would say, in general, I am interested in all Quartian phenomena. Uh, Most of them I don't know a whole lot about because I haven't spent a lot of time on it like I have on saucers. And my uh, degree of belief in the different ones uh, differ. For instance, you have Bigfoot. Now, if you add it all together, even if some of the movies and uh, so on are fake, there have been apparently a lot of close-up sightings of Bigfoot in the United States in different areas over the years. There's just one problem. I would really believe that uh, there's something behind all that, because it just happens too often, except it took me quite a while to figure this out. But uh, all living things die, and if Bigfoot exists, he too must die. So occasionally you've got to find a skeleton of a de- dead uh, Bigfoot. And if you never find one, there's a problem. Either he doesn't exist after all, or as the late Eric Beckjorg used to say, and you may probably remember him.
1: Yes, I do. Uh, and, well, it's a long I, story. I don't want to get into that right now. Okay. I thought at the time he was out of his mind
7: or putting us on or both, but he he insisted that uh, Bigfoot is uh, 4D. He's in the 3D world some of the time, and at other times, (laughs) he's not. Well, that sounds pretty crazy, uh, but I almost have to go for that, because the sightings seem real, and there's no bodies.
1: So how do you explain it? Let's go to the next question here. We have a lot, and I don't even think we're going to get to all of them, okay? We're not going to get to all well,
7: these questions. Well, yeah, I would be interested in your reaction to what I say. Do you think that makes any sense?
1: Chris, you're the guy who does the field research. What do you think?
7: Well, it does make sense to me, Jim. It's one of my
2: arguments that I've been using over the years uh, to the proponents of uh, the Bigfoot being, if will, flesh and blood, uh, undiscovered, zoological creature. I think that there is quite a bit of evidence to suggest that he does have some sort of ability to teleport or to appear and disappear. We have cases where tracks appear out of nowhere, go for a distance and then disappear like he vanished. So that would uh, again bolster more, more of a paranormal definition of Bigfoot. Yeah, well be, but I think yeah, you're right that he is able to manifest in in these three-dimensional uh
7: in this three-dimensional reality. Okay, very good. We agree. All right.
1: Okay, question number three from JT. What do you personally enjoy doing when you're not knee-deep in ufology? A Cuban cigar? Of course, Jim lives you know, in Florida. A pint of Guinness? <laughs> a good book or something else? Or is well, it still Vat 69 whiskey? Well, that's
7: very interesting.
1: That's my so, addition to the question, the last one. All right.
7: Well, a Cuban cigar, I think that would probably get me in more trouble than drugs or something because of the... Insane embargo against anything Cuban, so you could have fake or imitation Cuban cigars, but it's highly illegal to import them, and so naturally, I don't smoke cigars anyhow, but if I did, I'd make sure they weren't Cuban what else were the choices oh about sixty nine that's interesting. I used to drink that sixty nine scotch because it uh The name, I guess we can't really explain this on the air, but the name has some kind of a sexual connotation that some people put to it. And I thought it was rather amusing that there should be a brand with that name. I still don't quite know why there is. But uh, in recent years, I have changed permanently to Old Smuggler. And I think the connotation there is rather obvious. Because Jim
15: is
1: an old smuggler.
7: Well, I was a young smuggler, and now I'm an old person who used to be a smuggler. I just always <laughs> wish somebody would ask me, Why do you drink that? And then I would tell them, but I hate to just, you know, stop by, uh, stop somebody on the street and say, Do you know why I drink Old Smuggler? So uh, very few people know about it.
1: Well, someday I think we'll have Jim tell you about his archaeological digs. In any case, we've got more questions. We've got Sentry. Now, Century has an avatar that looks like the creature from Earth versus the Flying Saucers. And it's kind of funny because I mentioned that. Earth vs. the Flying Saucers was a 1957 film, the special effects by a special effects wizard by the name of Ray Harryhausen. But what they did here, and this was the biggest embarrassment, they bought the rights to one of Major Kehoe's books, and they created a grade B science fiction thriller from one of Kehoe's books, he was eternally embarrassed, I'm sure. What was the name of the movie? Earth versus the Flying Saucers. I've heard
7: of that and I may have seen it. I didn't know it had anything to do with Kehoe. If you look at the
1: credits, it was suggested or based on Uh one of Kehoe's books. They bought the rights, Hollywood, and of course, they just made a fiction movie. Of course, kind of the same thing was done with Close Encounters of the Third Kind in dealing with Dr. J. Allen Hynek, but the movie was more serious now here's the point the reason i mentioned that something from the 50s and because Century's icon is from this film here's his question from century during your cross-country ufo research trip in the early 50s you met just about everyone from hoaxers to project blue book people who did you find the most believable
7: okay i'll tell you this is one of my favorite stories Clyde Tombaugh, Dr. Clyde Tombaugh, obviously he must have had a Ph.D., he was a respected physicist that lived in New Mexico, and he is remembered still today because he was the discoverer
1: of the planet Pluto. Which, which by which, the way, he is uh, now was, embarrassed because it is no longer a planet.
7: Well, it's, yeah, luckily they waited till after he died. He only died recently. And now it's a planetoid because they found there's a lot of others that are about the same size. But he was given, I mean, that was a big prestigious thing for years. He had that uh, prestige behind him. And uh, so he was one of the people I wanted to meet. And I forget what city it was, but he had a nice home with his wife in a suburb of whichever New Mexico city it was. And my reason to visit him was not because of Pluto, but because. He had been written up probably in Saturday Evening Post and elsewhere. He had a well publicized sighting oh, three or four years, I would say, before I got there. So sometime around 1950, and I got there in 53. And this, uh, as I remember it very briefly, it was a simple thing. This silent, uh, sort of tear shaped thing, or, or let's say round, Uh, but elongated, Uh, flew silently over his home at night, and it had square lights on the side uh, that looked like portholes or windows, and it just went over in a few seconds and kept going, and it did nothing. And that is a UFO if I ever heard of one, and I think the man telling the story deserves to be believed. And uh, I had read this, but I I got a kick out of meeting him and hearing the story from his own lips. And I was big on the interplanetary theory in those days, and I kept trying to get him to say, uh, so I could quote it, uh, that the thing he saw was probably uh, from another planet. But he was a scientist, and I don't blame him. He kept saying, I said, I don't know what it was. It could have been from anywhere. I'm just telling you what I saw. And that was a
1: kick. (laughs) And he didn't kick you out either? No.
7: a very nice man.
1: Well, you know, that was, I think, a lot of fun. had to be a lot of fun. I wish I was in the position when I was in the 20s where I had to basically work hard for a living at a radio station and do my UFO stuff on the side. You traveled around the country. I think that was just one of the most wonderful things that anyone could have done. Yes,
7: I was very lucky because to put it briefly and to the point I, I was interested in the subject I had the time and the money to do it and that's the key the key uh, is have we have
1: Jim Mosley editor of Saucer Smear with Gene and Chris you're in America See if Graphic Inverter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Inverter. Use the coupon code Night Owl. Use the coupon code Night Owl to get a special price for Graphic Inverter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. lemkeysoft.com L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Listeners,
3: it's Jason Lewis, and now that the holidays have come and gone, it's time to get serious about our New Year's resolutions. For 2012, resolve to protect your most valuable asset, your family. Daily, we hear about all the crazy stuff happening around the world, unemployment, food shortages, natural disasters, just to name a few. For my preparation, I recommend WiseFoodStorage.com. WiseFoodStorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna and savory stroganoff, that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. Visit WiseFoodStorage.com today to request a free entree sample. And for a limited time, enter the promo code LEWIS to get no-cost shipping on any order. That's WiseFoodStorage.com or call 855-FOODWISE. That's 855-366-3947 and enter promo code LEWIS for a free sample and free shipping on any order. Peace of mind, the greatest gift you can give to
13: the ones you love. Do you suffer from low-functioning adrenal or thyroid? Did you know that mercury from your dental fillings comes off of your teeth both as a vapor and as particles into your body? Wherever mercury deposits in your body, it stops cells from functioning normally. Animal studies show that mercury causes kidney function to drop by 60%. Mercury deposited into your adrenals or thyroid will cause a corresponding drop in function. The number one method by which your body detoxifies itself of mercury is glutathione. The number one superfood that helps turn on all 10 trillion cells of your body to produce glutathione is non-denatured whey protein from grass-fed cows. After investigating most high-end whey proteins on the market, only one is the most non-denatured, the most active, the most complete, and in our opinion, the most powerful in what nature originally put into the fresh raw whey. It is One World Whey. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit oneworldway.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com.
18: Big Berkey Water Filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. Waterfilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey Water Filter products, but increasingly our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water, and because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combined Buy our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B E R K E Y Filters dot com or call That's 99 Berkey. That's dot com or call eight seven seven ninety nine E R K E Y today.
19: Hi, this is nuclear physicist, lecturer, Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: With Gene and Chris, we have Jim Mosley. We are answering your questions sent to the question bank over at forum.theparacast.com. We have sentries questions. There's more, just a few more, front and center. And we've got more to ask here. Okay. Jim, how have you been able to maintain friendships over the decades with people ranging from wild contactees to rabid debunkers? So, you know, you were friendly with Phil Class, You were friendly with Dr. Frank Strange as a contactee.
7: Well, uh, I don't know quite how to begin answering that. I would say that Saucer Smear takes an uh, irreverent attitude toward almost everybody even the people that agree with me so uh... if there's somebody that has been mentioned in in my magazine and who i uh... somehow get the opportunity to correspond with or to meet if they are not offended and are a pleasant uh, maybe easygoing type of person i can uh, be friends with them for a period of, of time and uh, and and there's no problem I, I remember Frank uh, Stranger's is a very good example, because his stuff was ridiculous. It was all biblical harangues of, of various sorts, and uh, I never read a, a word that he wrote. Uh, and at the end of, of his life, uh, he it was a kind of a sad thing. He was in very bad health, uh, had heart trouble, and he was also trying to sell uh, to the movie industry a... Uh, what would we say of a uh, outline of a book? In other words, have them buy the rights to his book, Stranger at the Pentagon. That was his best-selling book. And it was Val Thor. Huh? Val Thor. Can't understand. Oh, named four. the alien it was four. Val Thor. The name
2: of the uh, the Stranger yeah. at the Pentagon.
1: Sure.
7: Val Thor, Thor. Valiant Thor. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I can't hardly understand that phone. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty bad, but thanks for hanging with me. But uh, Val Thor, and and, uh, off the subject, uh, just a few months before he died, he sent me three uh, posters, roughly a yard square, color posters of Val Thor's ship. And it's a round ship, I guess, it has only one floor. And it shows the crew's quarters, uh, Val Thor's quarters, the library, the this room, the that room, and, and uh, the thing I liked best was that Val Thor's quarters took up about half of the whole floor, and everybody else had to be squeezed uh, into a, a tight space. But anyway, yeah, he he must have realized that uh, he was just stroking the. The fan, or whatever he was doing, and uh, I don't think he took himself terribly seriously, but he did try to make a living in different ways, and he succeeded. And uh, he and I were very good friends. And toward the end, he he started sending fifty, a hundred dollars at a time for saucer smear. That well, he obviously,
1: it. he made money from flying saucers. Very few do.
7: Well, he he had a lot of hats. He was on a. Some kind of a pseudo interstate police thing. He was some kind of a a perhaps fake uh, immigration officer. Uh, He was head of some uh, religious coalition. I mean, he had letterheads (laughs) and hats to go for three or four different professions, and I guess he made something out of all of them.
1: There you go. Another question from Century. What nonsense has been attached or blamed on flying saucers besides pitted windshields? I guess he's looking for the really crazy conventional well, explanations.
7: Well, well, uh, pitted, pitted windshields happens to be a different subject, but it did get uh, uh, sucked into the saucer uh, syndrome back in the early 50s. And uh, that was uh, windshields of cars and also uh, television screens that suddenly would uh, just pop out and end up with zillions uh, of uh, tiny cracks so that you know you could throw the whole thing away and uh, uh flying saucers were for whatever reason uh connected with this but uh, this is one of the sub mysteries that was properly solved within a couple of years and that was it was a question of tension on the edges of uh of uh, certain, not circular, but uh, curved glass, and uh, you have curved glass in a windshield or or a TV set, and uh, eventually the under whatever conditions the the strain on the edges becomes too much and it explodes like that all of a sudden. I had it happen to my TV set, and and uh, when I was living up up in New Jersey, and the repairman that came, you don't get that anymore, but he came, and he said that somebody threw something at this. And I said, no, they didn't. I live alone, and nobody threw anything. And I was pissed off because he uh, was making a point of it. And maybe six months or a year later, the same thing happened, and strangely the same guy came, and he apologized because in the meantime he he had found out how these things
1: happened. And now you know, ladies and gentlemen, the rest of the story. We've got more questions for Jim. Believe it or not, we're not running out of questions here, and this was only posted a few hours before we did the recording session. Okay. That's amazing, yes. How do you think UFOs should be studied, and who's come the closest to, quote, getting it right? Well... Probably nobody, they, as far as I'm concerned.
7: Yeah, well, they should be studied in a, a totally different way that they never have been studied. The closest was the Condon Committee. And what, uh, they, their report came out in... What 69 or something? I'm not sure the exact year, but they were biased and uh, they did everything wrong, and uh, it was underfunded for a proper investigation, and uh, the whole thing uh, was uh, in, in the long run useless. Uh, something much bigger, properly funded by open-minded scientists with with the right equipment. We have so much sophisticated equipment now that you can. Uh, see a ghost if there are any and you can do all kinds of things that couldn't be done just a few years ago and if you had a group of uh, properly qualified scientists with real degrees and real money and real open minds you couldn't help but solve this in a few years
1: but do you think it's possible and this is not the question that was asked but i'll pose it that maybe some people in the government have already done that
7: Uh, no no not on that scale no uh we talked about it I think on the air once uh dr uh alexander's uh book pretty well convinced me otherwise he he and a small group of uh insiders uh, went around uh, at a certain period of time uh to uh, speak to uh, the higher ups in in many different branches of government and and uh, what they came out with was there was no branch everybody said yeah there probably is a secret saucer uh investigation but it's not us uh, it's got to be somebody else and everybody said that so the final verdict was uh, there wasn't any such thing and that uh it's uh, told in much better detail but uh i I believe that I really don't think there is anything that big going on uh it would have to be uh greatly funded now there is a huge block budget every year and uh you can hide almost anything there, but I just don't think it's
1: happening. All right, I'm going to ask a question that maybe you can't answer. Maybe there is a security clearance involved in this question, but let's ask it, okay? Uh, okay, are you ready for this? Already. What government agencies or officers receive saucer smear?
7: <laughs> I don't know. Good question. Uh, no, I'll tell you the only one I can think of offhand and this will kill you, Kevin Randall. He no, I i, I take it back. I kicked him off the list a couple of years ago. But uh, because he wouldn't pay and he had a bad attitude, uh, so he doesn't get it. He's the only one offhand that I can think of who is definitely a, a government person. Uh but I'm sure there must be a few others. Uh the uh key to being a spy is is not to let people know uh, who you are so if a government agent wanted to get on the list i don't think it would be very difficult they wouldn't have to use their rank and serial number they just write in as a person and send some money and and they're on the list
1: in fact if they send money it doesn't matter who they are yeah
7: i i really have no uh... feeling against uh, government agents i just got into a little personality thing there with Randall. Maybe maybe we can kiss and make up on the on, on the show that you have him well, on. Well,
2: Jim, I, I'm curious, uh how does Kevin Randall fit into that
7: question? Uh it, well, it, well, I realize he is he he, a uh, well he, he is an intelligence uh, agent, among other things. He says so right on the back uh, cover of this book. He 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 was a intelligence officer in either Iraq or Afghanistan, I think Iraq.
2: Yeah, I do remember that he was in the army. I didn't realize he was in uh, intelligence.
7: Yeah. uh... So 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 was um, oh, uh, Bill Moore's sidekick, uh, Doty. What was Doty's first name? Uh,
1: yeah, Richard, Richard Doty. I'll tell you, we don't Richard want to get Doty. into the Richard Doty. Richard Doty. Richard Forget Doty. Richard, Doty. Richard Doty. We have Jim Mosley. But Richard Doty might come on the show eventually, although not in our lifetimes. You're with Gene and Chris. You're in the GCN Radio Network,
8: providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: So we raise the specter of Richard Doty with Gene and Chris, with Jim Mosley. And of course, Richard Doty is another one of those intelligence agents, quote unquote, allegedly. Does he get a copy of Saucer Smear? No.
7: I, I have never. I almost met him once. I was with, with Carl Flock. Uh, Doty lives in New Mexico, as Flock did, and we went out for a long drive one time, and we went right through the town where Doty lived. He was out of the service then and was a uh, state trooper, <laughs> which is kind of funny, because that shows he couldn't have been up too high in the government, I don't think, but then again, who knows? Anyway, he was not home that day, and I, I've talked to him on the phone a couple of times. I I think he knows much less than I do about Saucers, and
1: that's pretty bad. <laughs> so basically you think he's just making it all up, right?
7: Well, he, he just, <laughs> the worst thing, you know, is way off this subject, but he and Moore really persecuted that poor guy, Benowitz. Uh, That was cruel. What they They, did—they—they literally drove him insane, Uh, and and he went to the nut house. I don't know if he died in the nut house, but I mean, they—they were just playing with his mind. I mean, those—the more I think about it, and I hate to say this, uh, Bill Moore, is not a positive force in the UFO field. uh, uh, He—he did the book on the Philadelphia Experiment, which is the craziest concept I've ever heard. He did the book on Roswell that started the whole nonsense here. And he also introduced the world to MJ-12. And I don't think he's done, I don't think any of those three things have done the field any good. All right. Yeah, here
1: <laughs> Areas where none of us disagree.
7: Oh, by the Questions. way, Moore lives in northern Florida now. And we might uh, get together sometime.
1: Well, that will be a special event, ladies and gentlemen. We should call the media I'll alert the media, as someone said in a movie many years ago. Right. You you don't remember what movie, do you? No. Okay. Sir John Gielgud, playing the butler in the original version of Arthur. The Original version of what? Arthur. It was a comedy film with Dudley Moore about 20 years ago.
7: Well, you are a movie trivia person, and I
1: congratulate
7: you on that.
1: I accept that remark, and I resemble it. Okay, final comment from Century. Thanks for all you've done. Your numerous legitimate contributions to the field are often overshadowed by your reputation as the court gesture of ufology, but some of us get it.
7: Well, uh, he's a very nice guy. I I really appreciate that.
1: I'll tell you, we've got another few questions here, and we've got other questions for you that Chris and I will make up on the spot. <laughs> From Bergen. And that's not the county in New Jersey. It's just one of our particular... Yeah members in our forum and his avatar says it's a conspiracy you know, believe that's what it says
7: so when okay. david had your children's leering face on it <laughs>
1: uh,
7: i'm sorry i need a translator almost every time chris speaks because there's a vibration there of some kind
1: that makes it hard to understand well you see chris has good vibrations well not <laughs> right now how how did he end up on a cell phone? I don't understand. That. Okay, he's doing on the road. He's, he's on the road doing studio work.
7: Oh, he's on the road. No wonder.
1: All
7: uh, right. Uh, he's I I on the road do.
1: again. Right. That was a song by Canned Heat. Oh. Forget it. Okay. Uh,
7: now, on the road again was a song by uh a guy I was Willie I was Nelson. On.
1: Willie Nelson did it too, but also there was a song well, well, by well, Can yeah, Heat. Yeah, he did it, but the first guy was,
7: um, oh, uh, uh, Guthrie, uh, Guthrie's son. Uh, You know, there was the original Guthrie. uh, Woody Guthrie. uh,
1: Not Arlo, but the father, Woody.
7: Yeah, Woody was the father, and the son became a, a rock star for a while, and that was one of his songs.
1: Okay. Bergen asks, Have you read Clifford Stone's new book,
7: uh, Clifford Stone's new book. Sergeant
1: Clifford Stone.
7: Oh, the, the fellow that lives or did live in Roswell?
2: Huh? I'm not sure, but he's the one that claims that there's 57 different alien types.
7: Well, I think that's the name of a guy. I met him once when I was in Roswell. He claims uh, he was like a sergeant or something in in, in the service, way back, and he was uh, present, in his opinion, when uh, there was an, a... Uh, on-the-spot investigation made by the military of a saucer that had just crashed. And uh, I didn't believe a word of it because he didn't come out with that until quite a long time after he had become a saucer researcher. Eventually, he he remembered this thing that would have been the first thing that he would have said if it were true. So, uh, yeah, Clifford Stone, he lived in Roswell and was at that time when I met him a security guard. Does that sound right?
1: Correct. Okay. You see, Jim, when Chris, who is our ACE investigator, says you're correct, that's it. Now, here's a question, and I think you're going to reject the premise, okay? All right. Okay. What is the best tactic, in his opinion, on how to get any truth out of the military on what they know about the UFO phenomenon? But, Jim, I guess the qualifier here that I'll add is, do you accept that the military has any information that is of any significance?
7: Well, see, now that's how you word it. Obviously, the military has details about many uh, sightings that we don't know about or that they know more about than we do. Obviously, there have been many uh, chases uh, of, of uh, uh, UFOs by military craft. I mean, of course they know more than we do, but that's not the question. Do the, they, they have had... Uh, what would we say intercourse perhaps with saucers in ways that we are not aware of because they don't give out any information that they don't have to, but the question is do they know anything significant? Have they uh looked at uh, creatures from crash saucers or or have they interfaced at all with the uh, creatures from another planet, or have they flown themselves at some say to two other planets secretly? and none of that i believe so uh, i personally wouldn't waste a lot of time trying to uh, push secrets out of the military because uh, for one reason they they're probably smarter than you are they'll just know how to fend it off and they're not going to tell you anything they don't want to
1: what about the possibility that the military funnels off some of the information about subjects such as this to private industry then they have so-called plausible deniability that's my yeah,
7: question yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I okay. mean, that's about all I can say about it, because I don't know, you know much about any uh, of the details of con- government contracts. But obviously, private industry is involved, and, and I guess, uh, in a way, they can claim that they're not involved. I have no idea.
1: You know, this raises another question that arose back in the early 50s and 60s. And crazy rumors about Jim Mosley. It's not part of Birkin's questions, but I'm going to bring it up because we're talking about the military-industrial complex and all that. Your late father was a famous or infamous military figure in the 30s yes. and 40s. Tell us about him, because I think this is how it relates to it.
7: Well, I, how does it relate to any of this? That's
1: you know what? what, what let's, why us not you answer the question, and then I'll ask. Well, why.
7: <laughs> Well, yes, he was a notorious figure for a short time in the late 30s because of his pro-fascist views. uh, And uh, he uh, was not in favor of World War II because I think he was more uh, friendly toward the Germans than toward the English. Uh, That's the way he was. I I wasn't raised by him, but I knew him. I visited him. Oh, about once a year. He lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and I lived up in New Jersey. And we didn't get along very well because my views were not at all like his. And uh, that's about all there is to that, unless there's some specific reason for the question.
1: Okay, we're talking here about George Van Horn Mosley. Yes. And he lived a long time, 86. He passed the age of 86 when he died. How did you know that? Because he's listed on Wikipedia. They have a whole section, a whole biography.
7: Yes, about your dad.
1: There's even a small biography about you on Wikipedia. If you ever get online or learn how to do it, you can no, no, check no, no. yourself. I
7: have it. Two or three people have sent it to me. It talks mostly about
1: the straight letter. I've got I'll it. tell you what. We'll talk mostly to Jim Mosley with Jean and Chris. You're in. America. <laughs> one more time. That's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store.theparacast.com
12: gold it's like nothing else on earth from the romans through the renaissance from the industrial age to the space age gold has weathered the test of time for six thousand years gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237.
11: Ready to save while getting prepared? Then you're ready for the winter sale at 21stCenturyGoods.com. Take advantage of the incredible savings on all items at 21stCenturyGoods.com. Portable AM, FM, and shortwave radios from 1995 American Red Cross emergency radios and Cato radios from $2,895. Solar lanterns from $2,295. Solar flashlights, two for $1,695. Hand crank LED hurricane lanterns and flashlights from $895. Be sure to check out the flexible solar panels to power your emergency and survival gear. Every order over $75 will receive a solar-powered flashlight absolutely free. So get prepared this winter by visiting 21stCenturyGoods.com. Spelled the number 2, the number 1, S-T, CenturyGoods.com, 21stCenturyGoods.com. Or call 866-999-8422. That's 866-999-8422. 21stCenturyGoods.com. Power up your survival.
20: Have you ever seen a U.S.
11: postage stamp
20: featuring Abraham Lincoln, Ben Franklin, or George Washington? If you're into stamp collecting, you know it's a fun, affordable hobby. America's leading stamp dealer is the Mystic Stamp Company, and they want you to have their free 140-page color catalog. Go to mysticstampad.com, the website of the Mystic Stamp Company. Serving stamp collectors since 1923, Mystic Stamp is well known in the industry for its experience, superior customer service, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Go to m y s t i c stamp ad.com to request your free 140 page u.s stamp color catalog packed with collecting tips special offers color photos and over 4600 available stamps call 800-433-7811 or go to mysticstampad.com that's 800-433-7811 and ask for your free u.s stamp catalog or mysticstampad.com mystic stamp company america's leading stamp dealer
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about The Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com.
1: Or check us out at iTunes i am gobsmacked that chris o'brien's cell phone on his remote location the secret location is still functioning yeah isn't that amazing okay i
7: only had two bars believe
1: it or not that's right and he's been to both bars in the last hour that's why he sounds like this (laughs) we have jim Mosley, editor of saucer smear we were talking about the fact that his father was a notorious i guess military figure and the reason we mentioned that is because people say all right Jim Mosley has no obvious means of employment. And back in the fifties and sixties, they used the fact that you had a father who was a famous military figure, saying that Jim Mosley therefore must be a secret military agent.
7: Well, th- there's different things here. I inherited a lot of money from my mother, not from my father. I inherited a hundred dollars from my father, and uh, that didn't last too
1: long. Well, I did better you- with my father, and he wasn't a famous military figure.
7: But I'll, I'll tell you something that's very interesting. General MacArthur is known to have made several public statements having to do with interplanetary war. And I think you probably know this, basically saying that the only way to get a, a human race to uh, get along with each other is if we were threatened from a... An outside force. You're familiar with that, right?
1: That's almost similar to something that President Reagan said a number of years later.
7: Yes, 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 that's exactly true. But here's the interesting thing. My father was deputy chief of staff under MacArthur in uh, 1930, 31. That's just around the time I was born. And MacArthur, as I said, made that kind of statement a number of times. Now, I had an opportunity to meet MacArthur with my father after they were both long retired. And MacArthur lived at the Waldorf Astoria in New York, and I showed up about two, literally two minutes late for the appointment, and my father had already left the, the uh, lobby of the hotel and gone out to see MacArthur, and so I missed. And then I had a, another thought. Uh, I guess by then my father had died. I could have interviewed MacArthur. Just as a person at random that happened to be General Mosley's son, and in other words, not mentioning Saucers at all, the average person doesn't go in for that. Just meet him, you know, to say hello and have an interview, and then say, oh, by the way, and then if there was a story there, which I doubt, I think he just was on a kick, like like Reagan. But if there was a story there, I would have had a uh, exclusive, and I missed out on that, too. By the time I wanted to do it, he was quite ill, and I never did meet him.
1: Parenthetically, are there other interviews you wish you could have done?
7: Well, of course, everybody would say that. But, I mean, without going into the egotistical details, I spent at least a half hour alone talking to General Eisenhower before he was president. I spent a little less time talking alone with Harry Truman after he was president.
1: That one you've uh, told on the air. Now, Eisenhower, this preceded your interest in UFOs. So certainly there wasn't anything you talked to him about.
7: That's true. And and, uh, it was 1947, I think, and obviously I hadn't heard of MJ-12 or Roswell or any of the good stuff, so I wouldn't have known what to ask him anyway, and I'm sure he wouldn't have known anything at that time that, that he shouldn't know, you know.
1: Of course, you didn't know when he, of course, had the alleged toothache and went to the secret military oh,
7: base yeah, yeah. Well, and I could saw have the asked UFOs. About, I could have asked him about that. I, I I know the case you're talking about,
1: yeah. But you he, don't believe he, that, do you?
7: He, he was either at the dentist or he was having a secret meeting with uh, uh, creatures from a landed spaceship.
1: Or uh, the I'll, secret alien creatures were dentists and he had some kind of dental or medical condition that we couldn't cure So he asked E.T. to do it. I just started a new rumor, folks.
7: Yeah, yeah, well, I'm close to you on that. Yeah, it could have been a
1: a dentist from another planet, in other words. This is a new story, science fiction story. The dentists from another planet come here to Earth to extract our teeth.
7: Indeed. Yes, that's it. Okay, from Bergen, we have
1: another question. Number three, thoughts on ancient alien series on the History Channel. Now, I suspect you don't even have cable TV, or if you do, you get a very basic cable TV and don't watch those things.
7: We only have cable here, so I get cable. And if I wanted to, I could get over 100 channels, which I would never watch. So I basically get basic cable, and it's cheaper by far, and I only watch two or three channels, and that's not one of them. So I I don't know a whole lot about ancient astronauts. You remember
1: Yona Fortner. Tell our America. listeners about this guy, because Yonah is one of the early people to talk about ancient astronauts way before Eric Von Daniken ever existed. Tell us about Yonah. He was one character.
7: He was indeed. He he was a, a scholar, a Jewish scholar of a very high IQ, and he specialized in the Old Testament and in ancient manuscripts from... Places like India and so forth. I think that would be Sanskrit. I'm not sure. Uh, a- anyway, to make a long story short, he came across a lot of stories that sounded like, I guess, Earth made spaceships in-, in India. And as far as the uh, Old Testament is concerned, he believed that uh, Jehovah, uh, the God of the Old Testament, was in reality a space being. That was his take on these things. And he read these languages and then wrote articles in English about what he had read. Unfortunately, he never wrote a proper book about it, and he had so many hang-ups about what should and should not be included, that he was very hard to work work with. But he was uh, quite a scholar.
1: The only thing about Uh, it is he was a very good writer, but the writing style of the original stories that you published in Saucer News from Yona they were so dry. It was really difficult to follow unless you yeah. had a background in the information he was yeah, presenting. well, he,
7: was, he could have been von Donigen. He had no interest in being a popular writer, which is too bad because he needed money badly at all times. And uh, it's just a shame that his talent was wasted. Now, I could just deviate here and mention uh, uh, the NASCA lines, but I think we've already done that a few times. Why'd
1: you hit him again? Because I asked someone who was involved in ancient astronaut studies about this, and he kind of dismissed the possibility. So, explain again, you and Yona and the Nazca lines and what they're about. Well,
7: Yona had nothing to do with the Nazca lines. I thought Although, he had
1: actually been sent down there to look at that.
7: Well, well, yes. After I got into trouble down in Peru, I sent him down as a uh, whatever, a surrogate or something, to try to help me straighten out things with the Peruvian government. And apart from that, he was interested in archaeology, and he had met Maria Reich, who was this German archaeologist who was the greatest uh, person to study the NAzca lines over a period of 30 or 40 years. But that had nothing to do with why he went to Peru. I mean in other words, it's two different stories. As for the Nazca lines, my opinion now is that the actual mystery of what they were what their purpose was, I don't think it's ever been solved not by Mario Reich or anybody else, Uh, but uh, the the least likely thing is that that was a landing field for UFOs. Because when you really think about it, which I've had plenty of time to do, the lines are not uh, very visible from the air. I'll tell you what, before
1: we answer why this is all about and why Jim has reached this conclusion, we'll tell you that we have Jim Mosley, with Gene with and Chris, you're in the Paracast.
8: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN
1: Radio Network.
4: Emergency preparedness plans must include a fast way to start a fire. Fire up instantly with the revolutionary Quick Stove, a compact, lightweight, portable stove that's ready for cooking in less than one minute. Quick Stove, the safe, non explosive fuel source that is an emergency preparedness essential. Quick Stove comes with four waterproof fuel cells that ignite in seconds, burn for up to 90 minutes each, can be lit and relit. And be stored indefinitely. At up to 18,000 BTUs, QuickStove is ready to boil water in less than five minutes, and burns hotter than most outdoor stoves. Now, the best part: QuickStove starts at only $34.99 and comes with a 100% satisfaction or your money back guarantee. Order today at QuickStove.com or call 801-784-0225. That's 801-784-0225, or go to quickstove.com. Click on the Discounts tab for multi-unit savings. Quick Stove, quite possibly the world's fastest outdoor
11: fire. If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of 8 or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world, alkalizing the water you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins, and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today.
4: Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast,
19: the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: From a secret location on a mountaintop, we have Chris O'Brien speaking to us on the secret radio with Captain Video and his Video Rangers. No, that's another story. We don't want to get into that but Jim Mosley... I'm
2: right in the middle of downtown L.A., Gene.
1: <laughs> same difference. Yeah, right. <laughs> we have well, Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear. We're talking about the Nazca lines, and you made the statement yeah. you don't think they were landing signals or... Well,
7: you know, uh, that's one of the... Or a
1: landing spot for UFOs. Yeah, well, that's a, you know, a, a simple
7: uh, idea to come up with, just like, uh, I think... Uh, uh, at this point in time, my opinion of saucers. I mean, it's a uh, obvious and simple I, idea to say they come from other planets. Just like it's, you see lines like that that, that are unexplained, and and the simplest uh, idea is, gee, it must have been a landing field. And since those ancient people didn't have aircraft, although it's been brought up that possibly they did have, but I doubt it, then it would be uh... people from elsewhere coming in and. That's not likely either. What I started to say is the lines are hard to see uh, from an airplane. You have to be pretty low. Uh, There's mist, there's fog, uh, there's uh, whatever. You would not see those lines from very far away. And uh, From the ground, you can't see far enough at one time to know uh, what the whole pattern is because it's just that way. You can't uh, see more than what, a couple of miles or something, and if the line is Ten miles long, then you're only looking at part of it. But I was probably the only amateur in history to <laughs> dig on the Nazca lines, which, right now, Peru has become uh, much more uh, uh, prohibitive about things like this. I guess you'd be locked up or something. But I had a crew of diggers, and uh, just for the fun of it, uh, we went out to the Nazca lines one day because there were at least two mounds. Where a bunch of lines would come together, all together six, eight, or ten lines, running from uh, a single mound, and it would be reasonable, just again simplistically, to think if they were going to have a very important burial, it would be in or on the side of, of that mound, because uh, elsewhere there were a lot of tombs, some of which I opened that were on the side of mounds. I mean, it's it's a uh, common thing and primitive societies so we tried and we dug and we we couldn't reach anything that seemed to be leading towards something further down that would be a burial and the diggers got uh, teed off and said you know we're wasting our time here we're not going to find anything Uh, let's go back to the valley of Nazca." Which was rich in tombs, uh, many of which I opened. So that was fun and profitable. And when I went on the Nascar lines, it was hot and horrible. So I was only there for about half a day. If I said this in Peru, uh, the maximalist element, which is probably stronger by now, would,
1: would have me hung, I, I suppose. In fact, I think they're on their way to your home. At this moment, yes. And you might be hearing that knock on the door.
7: But anyway, uh, the next, uh, I don't know why they can't really find out uh, what they are. They have something to do with irrigation, uh, apparently, but they're not irrigation canals like uh, they sound like because uh, they end at a certain point. The line runs to a certain point, it, it very often will be just the uh, point at which the desert becomes a small hill. Instead of flat land, you have sloped land going up to a a hill a couple of hundred feet high. And it just dead ends. There's no way that these could ever have been used as irrigation ditches or anything. So I, I, I don't know. I never worried that much about it because if they're not connected with spaceships,
1: then who cares? <laughs> well, I guess because they are there, we have to have an explanation.
7: Yes, they'll uh, they'll figure it out. There's still people, real archaeologists, uh, are still writing books about it. And, and this woman that I, I talk about, Maria, only died a few years ago. She was almost 100 years old. She was uh, like almost, uh, there was reverence toward her as uh, having done all this work, which was pretty useless, I guess. But she was famous in uh,
1: Peru uh, as the Lady of the Nazca Alliance. I'm going to ask you another question from Bergen. We still have a couple left from him. What, in his opinion, is the best factual book on UFOs? Uh... It Other than they, shockingly close to the truth, to say, uh, or Jim Mosley's book of whatever.
7: Oh uh, well, see, I, I don't read most of these books because it's just I can do a review by just uh, skimming through it and reading uh, the front, uh, you know, fold uh, description and and uh, a few of the reviews of the book. So, well, I I would imagine uh, that the most factual and interesting to somebody like me would be uh, the books by uh, Alan Hynek, less so Kehoe, because he uh, um, what would we say, not lied, but he uh, changed the uh, import and wording of uh, sightings to make them more exciting and didn't stick literally to the text that he got. Uh, now, understand
1: the, here, Jim Mosley got to see the same text of many of the cases that Kehoe wrote right. about in his early books. And this is yes. something, maybe we should just present this for a moment, okay? Now, Major Kehoe was considered a legend in the UFO field because, you know, it's back in the 50s and such a different time then. And you're saying here then that he took these basic cases that you saw and embellished the details? Mm-hmm.
7: I, I would assume so, and I, I can't really uh, prove that, but I, I do know this. He uh, was interested in the cases that the Air Force's Project Blue Book had uh, uh, investigated, and this was just for a short period of time, and I think in the early 50s. And so he had a couple of friends in the Air Force uh, that had access to uh, Project Blue Book files, and they would read him over the phone uh, the text of, of some of these cases uh, leaving out the names of the people and whatever else they wanted to leave out because these were technically classified cases i just happened to uh, i guess i've been very very lucky in a lot of things in my life and in ways that are far more important than this but one time i went to the pentagon i guess i called first Uh, And when I called, they said, oh, yeah, come on in and uh, we'll show you the Blue Book Files. And they did. They sat me down at a typewriter. Uh, There was no Internet in those days. And uh, I came in two or three different afternoons and sat and typed anything I wanted from any of the Blue Book Files. Uh, Obviously, I only typed the cases that were the most exciting. Uh, And when Keyhole found this out, he went ballistic. And basically, he caused them to be reclassified. I'm the only one that was ever able to do so, to do what I did, because he, as a great seeker of truth, made sure that that never happened again, okay?
1: Okay, but you're saying here that he embellished some details I, in that I would, fashion?
7: I would, think, I would think so, but I, I'm not exactly sure of that. It was so, the, how can I put it, he was a professional writer, And without embellishing, he could rewrite these cases to make them slightly more interesting and and coherent than they might be in the Blue Book uh, files that was just written by some guy, you know, that was not a professional
1: writer. Now, the way Keogh wrote his books, by the way, it was all like a detective novel where 90% of the text is quotes, people talking to one another. And either Major Keogh had a photographic memory like the person on the TV show Unforgettable. <laughs> <laughs> or he took very copious notes or he was, you know, expert dictation or he embellished.
7: Yeah, I, I don't think uh, it would be uh, uh, unreasonable to just assume that he embellished. Uh, and uh, I mean, he certainly isn't the only professional writer uh, that does that uh, or has done it. Uh, I'd like to think that shockingly close to the truth is so close to the truth that you can't tell the difference, but I'm not sure.
1: And the problem with Jim is that shockingly close to the truth, Jim probably can't tell where a fact ends and fiction or fact fiction begins. We have Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear. You're on with Gene and Chris, and there's one reason for that. It's because you're in. <laughs>
8: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
22: Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies... Paranormal activity and Floridian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news. It's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to Mr. UFO at WebTV.net. That's Mr. UFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know.
16: If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a... no-brainer bio superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family learn more and order your bio superfood formulas at bioage.com spelled b-i-o-a-g-e.com bioage.com or call 877-288-9116 that's 877-288-9116 bioage the age of advanced
19: organics Folks, have you lost your power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, this is going to be the most important message you'll ever hear. Because there's never been a better time to get ready for the winter power outages ahead. Here's why. Solar power generators are now available from our friends at Solutions from Science, one of our oldest sponsors. Their emergency backup systems provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. Unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no fumes, and produces electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running quietly in your own home. Whether it's ice storms, brownouts, or blackouts, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. When the power goes out this winter, you'll be ready with a solar-powered generator from Solutions from Science. Go to mysolarbackup.com for more information. That's mysolarbackup.com or call 877-327-0365.
18: Big Berkey Water Filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey Water Filter products, but increasingly our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water, and because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B E R K E Y Filters dot com or call eight seven seven ninety nine 99 Berkey. That's Big Berkey or call eight seven seven ninety nine E R K E Y today.
1: Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. I am gobsmacked that Chris O'Brien's top secret communicator is still functioning.
2: I just I just got a low battery uh, uh, signal, so
1: we've got a couple of minutes. Okay, so if Chris disappears, it's not because he was beamed up to the Enterprise. Okay. Oh just, darn. Okay, we have Jim Mosley. Oh, We're I picked up with a guest. And we're answering your questions, ladies and gentlemen. Jim? Yes. You have something else you'd like to say about Kehoe before we leave the subject?
7: I I Just that we were rivals, uh, which was one reason we didn't get along, but I think my basic point against him was legitimate. He chose to believe that the Air Force had... Uh, more secrets than they uh, probably ever had, and that if we we could just pry this information out of the Air Force, we'd have the answer to the saucer mystery. And for long winded reasons, that just was not the case, in my opinion, and he was wasting his time, and that was his main focus. And, and eventually, people realized that, uh, that he was too much focused on that one thing, and he lost a lot of popularity and lost most of his. Uh, uh, board of directors, etc., and finally he got kicked out of his own organization.
1: Well, they said the other thing is that he was a very bad manager. Yeah, that's true. They were always
7: uh, short of money and so on. Uh, but, uh, you know, he had Admiral Cotter, if that's said right, who was, I think, the first head of the CIA. Right. He knew some, some important uh, people because he had gone to Annapolis and uh, met them. Uh, some were classmates. So, I mean, he uh, he was pretty much of an insider himself. But he uh, wrote interesting books and, and popularized the subject, but he didn't solve anything.
1: He got himself so involved in getting congressional hearings that he lost focus on yeah, really the Yeah, that was is the other
7: thing, yeah. Because, you know, there have been congressional hearings, and I'm not up on this, I'd say, two or three times. And they didn't lead to anything. They just didn't.
1: You know, if he spent all that time interesting the scientific community, investigating UFOs, getting top-notch scientists, and he had the people, the background there. He had scientists. He had military people. If they went and they contacted these people and said, look, here's the evidence. Let's investigate this stuff. Let's get it out there. It wouldn't matter.
7: You wouldn't. uh, You're on the right track, but you would need a hell of a lot of money it would have to have to be appropriated by Congress. It's not always as bad as it is right now. But right, but right you know
1: there. what? You could also get private industrialists, people yes. in private industry to do it, which is the point. The point is here, if you got people like a former head of the CIA walking into an office of an industrialist and say, look, here's a story, here's the information, put aside a couple of million for this thing. And remember, a couple of million in 1955 is like, $10, 20000000 now, that's yeah. a lot of money to engage in a complicated investigative project. But Kehoe just squandered that.
7: Well, the the only thing close to that would be Bigelow. And, and he has not spent a whole lot of money, and he is very hard to deal with. And uh, he's done some good, but uh, not as much as he could have, I
1: think. Well, he put money into MUFON, and then there were terms and conditions It didn't work out very yeah. well. Yeah, yeah.
7: And, and that uh, and that haunted uh, ranch. What did they call it? There's
1: another name for Skinwalker. it. Skinwalker. The ranch, huh? Skinwalker.
7: Yeah, Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, there again, it, it's uh, confusing and different versions of it. Uh, the only thing I can say for sure is that nothing provable ever came out of that whole thing, uh, so it didn't do any good.
1: There was actually one other question Bergen asked, and I don't know if you even answer this because you may not even be interested. Any favorite film or TV shows on UFOs? This is fiction. No.
7: Fiction. Oh, well, there was one I liked. I, I kind of liked the Fourth of July. Is that the name of it? Oh, no,
1: Independence Day. Right? Independence Day, right. That was yeah. a fun film. I you mean, they took I, the to, pop culture, and they had these really great actors, character actors. They had Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith. And it was a fun movie it was a nonsensical movie it was logically nonsensical but it was fun. you
7: know what what the worst thing was and and if you see it or see it again watch for this whoever their technical advisor was was not uh, too uh, swift they had uh, just a couple of sentences about it they had Roswell happening I believe in the early 50s And, and and they had the location wrong. Uh, it, uh, they, a simple thing like that.
1: Yeah, but you see, the, it was done, by the way, in kind of an offhand conversation. Judge Hirsch plays Jeff Goldblum's rather eccentric father. And yeah. he's remembering something. Oh, you had Roswell in the 50s. And so they didn't correct him, but he was just an average person trying to remember something. And the technical details didn't matter because the way it was posed was... All right, you had a crash, you had this evidence, and you hid it from us. That was the point. It wasn't the specifics. Yeah, no,
7: you're absolutely right there. Uh, But I just thought it was cute uh, that they couldn't uh, get that right. But that's a a logical reason, yeah.
1: Right. It was a fun film. It was a nonsensical film. They've talked of having a sequel every so often. This is Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. Roland Emmerich did a film about 2012 and also The Day After Tomorrow. And, of course, Dean Devlin does a TV series called Leverage, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, they're still around. They've talked about it. They have to get their stars back. But Will Smith became a big star from that movie.
7: I I really am sorry that uh, um, Frank Stranges never succeeded in getting any uh, film outfit to, uh, to take the film rights to uh, develop a Thor story, because that would have made a wonderful movie.
1: You really think so? Yeah.
7: Yeah, I actually read the book, or sort of. I mean, I, I I liked the... the part. Oh, yeah, the name of it is Stranger at the Pentagon, right?
1: That's right, yeah. yes. Yeah. I read the book, and, too, and, by the way.
7: Yeah. And, In those and, and, days, yeah. I
1: read every book. Now I read some of the books. <laughs>
7: well, if I had read every book on saucers, I would be blind, among other things, because there's been probably several hundred by now. So... Uh, It's a good thing I don't read all
1: of them. Well, I read the ones I think that we're going to talk about on the air. I try to read all or most of the books. I don't succeed as well, but Chris is really good about that. Chris is a thorough investigator. He's a field investigator. And every time there's a book, he reads it from cover to cover. And I think there would be no show without Chris and his legwork. He's just, you know, a treasure that we have here on the show. Well, There you go
7: nice of you to say that and, and you're sure. a treasure
1: too by the way and you're the kind of treasure we do not want to bury for many many years to come can well, you tell our you. listeners
7: are are we reaching the end of our rope uh, here or uh, we're, i've been
1: at the end of my rope for a long time jim but what, could you tell our listeners how they can get a copy of saucer smear this is something they won't want to miss
7: well once again uh if they want to use the mail system they would just send a letter uh, to my P.O. box and ask her for a free sample copy, and it's uh, saucer smear, two words smear, S M E A R, and uh, P.O. box one seven oh nine, Key West, Florida, three three oh four one. P.O. box one seven oh nine, Key West, Florida, three three
1: oh four one of course, you get a free copy if you like it. Send Jim a donation, a love offering, and he will continue to send you copies. And,
7: and incidentally, uh, this is sort of relevant. A lot of saucer people, I guess more of the uh, paranoid ones, uh, don't like to give out their phone number and so forth, and they worry about things. I've got both of my phone numbers on the letterhead of every single issue of Smear, and I have never had any trouble about it. Hardly anybody ever calls me, because they'll have to pay for the call. And I might as well just take the numbers off the letterhead. It's the
1: most amazing thing I've ever seen. Jim Mosley is the most amazing thing we've ever seen. He's the editor-publisher of Saucer Smear. A reminder, folks, that Chris O'Brien's site is OurStrangePlanet.com, OurStrangePlanet.com. And eventually, we hope it's going to be redesigned. You can find us online, Twitter, The Paracast, The Paracast at Twitter. You can also write us news at the Paracast.com. Once again, that's news at the Paracast.com. And the place where you can ask questions is over at forum.theparacast.com. That's forum.theparacast.com. Jim Mosley, thanks for joining us this week on the Paracast.
7: Are, are we signing off here? Yes, sir. Okay. Talk to you later.